Thank you for playing. Should we or should we not follow the advice of the galactically stupid? <laughs> Welcome to Cruising It, the podcast where we watch and discuss all of Tom Cruise's films in chronological order. I'm your host, Donovan Bruce, and with me as always is Andrew Mount. You are like seven of the strangest women I have ever met. And Mason Kuzmich. Thanks. On today's episode, we're talking about A Few Good Men, a legal drama following the court-martial of two Marines and their lawyers' attempts to defend them. What'd you guys think? Uh, this is my favorite movie that we've watched so far. Hmm. It's good. I'm not personally a fan of Aaron Sorkin, so I'll just go ahead and get that out of the way right now. But I'm trying not to hold it against this movie specifically. Still haven't given reasons. Wait, you don't like Aaron Sorkin? <laughs> not really, no. What? I've never heard that before. Why, why are we doing this? Uh, what? <laughs> we totally didn't have a big argument about this when we watched the movie. Yeah. Get it out of the way now, guys. I, I left this house in such anger. <laughs> <laughs> I, was, I was so mad at the end of that. I, oh, I, good times. I, I, had I went home, I steamed <laughs> on it for a few hours. I apologize. <laughs> no, it's okay. Have whatever opinions you want. I just need to learn to stop caring about them. <laughs> <laughs> this podcast is my journey into not caring what Mason thinks about things. Oh, because he's wrong about most items. It's a good movie, all right? Can we just keep going. Well, okay, fine. Let's get into our discussion <laughs> of A Few Good Men. U.S. Marines Lance Corporal Harold Dawson and Private First Class Loudon Downey are facing a general court-martial accused of murdering fellow Marine Private First Class William Santiago at the Guantanamo Bay Naval Base in Cuba. Santiago had poor relations with his fellow Marines, compared unfavorably to them, and broke the chain of command in an attempt to get transferred out of Guantanamo. Base Commander Colonel Nathan Jessup, played by Jack Nicholson, and his officers argue about the best course of action. While Jessup's executive officer... Officer Lieutenant Colonel Matthew Markinson advocates that Santiago be transferred. Jessup dismisses the option and instead orders Santiago's commanding officer, Lieutenant Jonathan James Kendrick, to train Santiago to become a better Marine. Jack Nicholson plays a very convincing bad guy. He does. Surprisingly. Really? Are you sure? Very surprisingly. Hmm. <laughs> yeah, he's just really good at pretending that he doesn't care about the well-being of other human beings. Yes, pretending. <laughs> uh, no, so this was uh, this is when the movie first started to be a bit of a curveball for me. Uh, the when basketball, he was playing softball, basketball reference for all you guys uh, okay. out there. Yeah, um, because I thought that this whole movie was first of all, I thought the whole movie was a legal procedural, which <laughs> turned out not to be the whole movie. And also, I thought that the central mystery of the movie was what happened and i feel like we immediately learned what happened and who was responsible for it so that was a little different yeah and just the whole thing was just about them trying to prove it 
Yeah. No, they told us the answer right from the beginning. Yeah. That was an interesting take. You know, at first, when I first started to watch the movie, I was like, they sh- you shouldn't have known that, right? That should have been right. the core mystery of the movie is them trying to figure out what happened. But by the end, I think I saw what they were going for. Well, hmm. so the, there are actually a number of... I, I looked at some professional reviews of, of this, and that was one of the criticisms when it first came out was it tells you everything that's going to happen before it happens. It telegraphs everything that's going on. Yeah, I think that might have been... I think Roger Ebert's review might have said that. Mm. I'll sometimes look at his review for some reason. I don't know. Who cares? He's dead. <laughs> How good could he be? Oh, oh. well. <laughs> okay. Just wasn't one of the... It's like, you know, the best movie critic out there, but, you know... He was really good. <laughs> I like him a lot. I just wanted to make a funny joke. Mm-hmm. Um, Not saying he's perfect. He's got a few hot takes. Oh, yeah, no. But, I mean, you, know. I mean, you know, reviewers are always full of hot takes. Um, but anyway, yeah, no, so I thought that at first, but I felt like by the end, like... The way that that shifts the movie is that the movie is not about the the movie isn't saying basically if you figure out the truth, then the justice system will deal with it. But it's more of a movie about like, okay, we know what the truth is, but we have to find a way to like prove that in a legal sense, even though there's all of these corrupt institutions that are working against us. Mm. And I think that was a different take for the movie, and I I kind of like that. Mm. Yes. 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 All right. (laughs) Uh, While it was believed that Santiago's death was retribution for him naming Dawson in a fence line shooting, naval investigator and lawyer Lieutenant Commander Joanne Galloway, played by Demi Moore, largely suspects Dawson and Downey carried out a code red order, a violent extrajudicial punishment. Galloway wants to defend them, but the case is given to Lieutenant Junior Grade Daniel Caffey, played by Tom Cruise, an inexperienced and unenthusiastic lawyer with a penchant for plea bargains. The two instantly embark on a conflict, with Galloway becoming unsettled with Caffey's apparent laziness, whilst Caffey resents Galloway's interference. Dawson shows outright contempt for Caffey, refusing to salute or acknowledge him as an officer. When Caffey negotiates a plea bargain with the prosecutor, Dawson and Downey refuse to go along, insisting that Kendrick had indeed given them the code red order and that they never intended Santiago to die. When Caffey and Galloway questioned Jessup, he claimed Santiago was set to be transferred. I mean, I don't, I don't know what all to comment on, honestly. Uh, how about the fact that uh, Joanne Galloway sucks at being a lawyer? Yeah, no, that that is actually a significant problem, despite the fact that multiple people say throughout the movie that she's perfectly competent. She seems to screw up a lot. Hmm. I thought this was a really interesting departure for Tom Cruise, uh, where he, for once, it seems like he's playing a character who is like really young and talented in his field. Mm-hmm. Um, but he doesn't care about the rules, and he likes to do things his own way. Yeah, that's not and something he that he normally like does. Emotionally, grow as a character to take certain things more seriously in order to live up to his best life. I mean, it's you're interesting. being sarcastic <laughs> right now, but in a way, this is kind of a different role because he's not just naturally gifted at whatever he's doing. Like most other roles, he's doing, he has to, you know, has to come into his own a little bit. I don't know. He definitely seems to have a. I guess almost encyclopedic knowledge of legal jargon and shit, just judging by what he pulls out of his ass when the guy comes to talk to him when he's practicing softball. A butt plug? 
Yes. <laughs> Based on his butt plug? A he legal has a lot butt of plug. legal knowledge? I mean, yes. That doesn't make any sense. He's a lawyer for the military. I mean, you know, maybe it's yeah, reasonable but, for them to know a lot of... Maybe, I don't know, maybe he's just <laughs> got a photographic memory, man. I don't know. Maybe. All right, so I forget. I'm, I'm probably... Saying that doesn't that qualify as, like, natural talent, though? But he doesn't have natural talent as a courtroom attorney. He constantly goes for He's got bargains. that natural that's charisma. He, does, he says he's not a courtroom lawyer, right? Yeah, that's why he's never been in a courtroom. He's always gone for the plea bargains. He even tried to at this one, but his clients are like, no, I don't want to do that. Yeah. He's like, well, fuck. Listen to your attorney's clients, god damn it. I feel like I might be cock-blocking later recaps, but what was his thing with his dad in this movie? His dad's dead, right? Because I remember yeah. she's she like predicts that he has daddy issues early on, and mm-hmm. she's kind of like wrong in a crazy wasn't, way. Wasn't his dad some big shot lawyer too? Oh yeah, yeah. that's what it was. His dad was like a big shot Jack trial lawyer or whatever. Yeah, Jack literally, but yeah, yeah, trial lawyer in the military. In the military was his dad in the military? I want to say wanna yeah, because yes. I think I think Colonel Jessup mentions okay he knew his dad. Gotcha. That would make sense. I feel like Jessup only consorts with military people yeah so again unlike his earlier hits like military man top gun his character is also struggling with issues that he has with an estranged or dead father Hmm. and trying to live up to that person yeah again something very outside of tom cruise's comfort zone as an actor yeah yeah it's like i don't know if you guys saw this recently but mark Wahlberg did a movie where he played Uh a boston police officer really or possibly a firefighter wow yeah that that's way I don't see him as that. A, I think he's going to get a lot of Oscars. I honestly that's a have, departure. Yeah, I can't yeah. see him as anything but a rapper. Honestly, mm-hmm. yeah, a rapper slash a horror lead in M Night Shyamalan movies. <laughs> come, on, come on, come on! <laughs> feel it, feel it. <laughs> do you guys know Marky Mark and the Funky Bunch songs? <laughs> One. Why do you know? One Marky Mark. Why do you know this song? <laughs> because it's good vibrations, man. Is it good vibrations? <laughs> Sweet sensation. Donovan's dancing right. Why are you guys singing? I hate this so much. Did, were they? Was this like a? Were they a well thought of group? No. It, that that hit that song hit number one. Okay, wow. That was, their, Holy that was shit. their only hit. They had like another one that was like a minor hit, just because it was Marky Mark and the Funky Bunch. Yeah. Who's Donnie Wahlberg in the Funky Bunch? I'm pretty sure Mark Wahlberg is the only Wahlberg. Okay. I Does don't actually Donnie know. Wal- the, I don't actually know who the Funky Bunch. Are. Hang on, I'll Google it. Oh no! <laughs> does Donnie Wahlberg own any stake in Wahlburgers? I'm sure he does. Probably does. It's, a, it's probably their family right. thing, right? It's one of the Wahlbergs. So, figured all of them are kind of joint. Anyways, back to what we were talking about. Um, but no, they they go. Uh, Joanne and uh, Kathy go to Cuba. That's where they talk to Colonel Jessup, and that's mm-hmm. where you kind of first see. Joanne kind of interfering and shit because they're they're done they're they're done with their questioning of Jessup or whatever and then she keeps pushing it and asking questions that Kathy didn't want to ask him because he was trying to you know not you know smooth things over yeah and get a quick deal and basically he keeps telling her she needs to stop and she keeps telling him no I'm going to keep going and then he keeps like sitting back down and that's when Jessup realizes that she outranks him so kind of a interesting thing he's lead counsel but she still outranks him military wise so it's like who's in charge of who yeah that is kind of like a weird dynamic yeah and also again i'm probably just destroying later recaps but doesn't she do some like flim flammery to like at first she's not really on the case but then later she gets herself on the case yeah she yeah she manages to um 
get into contact with Loudon Downey's aunt and then convinces her to let him to convinces her to let Joanne be lead counselor for Loudon Downey. Which isn't quite how representation tends to work, but well, whatever. It, not lead counsel. His his attorney. His attorney. No, his so, personal counsel. But so Tom Cruise is in charge da- of the Daniel, game, Daniel Caffey, with her. Yeah, Daniel Caffey still lead a t- lead lead counsel, but she is. She's loud, on she's, the case. she's Loudon Downey's attorney, whereas Tom Cruise mm-hmm. is over both of them, I guess. But yeah, yeah, she basically weasels her way into the case. And for those gotcha. who uh, for those who are interested, because I know we are, uh, the Funky Bunch was oh, no. Mark Wahlberg, Marky Mark, Scott Ross, Scotty G. Hector Barros, alias Hector the Body Inspector, or the Hector the Booty Inspector, and Terry Yancey, oh, sorry, there are a couple more, Terry Yancey, alias DJT, and Anthony Thomas, also known as Ashy Ace. Well, I can't believe only one of them went on to do great <laughs> things, like start Wahlburgers. <laughs> that's the great thing that Mark yeah, Wahlberg's done. I think that's Wahlburgers. the main thing that he did. Um, so I don't understand how the military law s- legal system works at all. Um, no, that's fair. Also, I have a hard time telling characters apart from each other if they have approximately the same length and color of hair. Uh-huh. Um, so the guy who is making a plea bargain with Tom Cruise when we first meet him, is that Lieutenant Wine, whatever, his guy, the guy who's on his case later? Who's helping him later? No, was that, a com- that was a completely different but, person. You okay. mean that? You mean that random that random scene at the uh, softball? Yeah, thing? yeah, yeah. No, that's just some other dude. Okay, all right. That confused me a lot. Yeah. I was like, actually, once, thought they might have been the same person too. Yeah. Once I saw that other guy was in his office, I'm like, wait, do they like they're the office that handles both sides of legal cases, and they just like <laughs> split people up? That doesn't make any sense. Well, yeah, it doesn't quite make sense because they do like there is like the actual prosecutor that they're dealing with later who you would have to assume is a different office, even though they're talking to him constantly. I mean, yeah, they're even, definitely friends, but it's even different military branch. Oh uh, yeah. Cause Kathy's Navy and right. Ross is a uh, Marines. Uh-huh. So. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> Better watch out and make sure the coast guard doesn't get involved. Damn right. All right. Uh, Galloway <laughs> convinces Kathy to take the case to court. The defense manages to establish the existence of Code Red orders at Guantanamo and that Dawson specifically had learned not to disobey any order after Kendrick denied him a promotion for helping out a Marine that was apparently given a Code Red. However, they suffer two major setbacks. Downey, under cross-examination, reveals he was not actually present when Dawson received the supposed Code Red order, and Markinson, ashamed that he failed to protect a Marine under his command, tells Caffey that Jessup never ordered the transfer but commit suicide rather than testifying. It's a very short paragraph to cover about a lot. That was a half, lot of, the half of the movie. Yeah. Right there. I, I guess I, most of it was just a bunch of montages of them, like working on their case and then various, yeah. like being stressed out about things, various just courtroom scenes of random shit. Yeah. Um, oh, they're, yeah. I think one of my favorite moments of the movie was that horror scene style appearance of, what the lieutenant colonel? Oh, Markinson. Uh, Markinson just in the back seat of <laughs> of Tom Cruise's car. That was pretty great. The music was even yeah, like spot on for that. It doesn't say this in here, but basically after they get back from Cuba, Markinson just disappears. Mm-hmm. They talk about him being like black ops or something. Yeah, he used to be black ops, so you can't find him unless he he wants you to find him. And then yeah, at one point they're like having a little bit of trouble in the case, and they're trying to figure out what they're going to do. And then all of a sudden, Tom Cruise gets in his car, and who's in the back seat? Markinson. Markinson. It scares the shit out of Tom Cruise. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> uh, 
Uh, that was actually interesting to me because I, again, I, I have trouble with character names as well. Uh-huh. Um, I mixed up his name with uh, Kiefer Sutherland's name, and I thought that Kiefer Sutherland had <laughs> disappeared. And I yeah. was like, well, that's sketchy as fuck, right? Like, right. your guy who you definitely would need to interview for this, who probably was the go-between when this code red disappeared so he can't testify. And uh, so I was really misunderstanding the plot of this movie for a while. <laughs> there were, the there were a lot show of... show that it was Donnie's <laughs> fault that I was confused about that because he had it totally wrong the whole time. I, I didn't. I specifically said exactly what was happening. No, you were and you're wrong. like, eh, I don't know about that. And then later on you're like, all right. Because I was right No, you, you were wrong. <laughs> there are a lot of people to keep track of in this movie. Hmm. And a lot of them are white guys yes. with a similar color of hair and a similar, not like a similar hairstyle, but a similar enough hairstyle. Kiefer Sutherland, I know when it's him because he's got blonde hair, right? Everybody else, I'm like, I don't know, brown hair, short hair. Yeah, it's hard to tell. Yeah. <laughs> uh, I mean, I guess we should talk about a few of the courtroom scenes that, I mean, there was, I guess, like the first, like, good like lawyer move by Tom Cruise was when mm-hmm. uh, Kevin Bacon Ross's character like his prosecution or whatever his he's asking them to you know open up the Guantanamo Bay like uh, what's it like field manual or whatever and tell yeah. them the part where there's code reds to try and prove that there's no such thing as code reds Tom Cruise just walks up and grabs the book and, and says okay tell me where the uh, show me in there where the mess hall is I was like, that's a good, good redirect. Yeah. Even, even Kevin Bacon was like, mm, yeah, he's got fucked that, up there. He's got that <laughs> yeah. flair for drama that you need in the courtroom. Yeah. And so then, of it's, course. It's a nice competition there between two, two lawyers, which they're kind of trying to demonstrate. are both pretty damn good at what they do. Hmm. They just kind of, it's a good little back and forth. Yeah. And then, of course, of there the, uh, there's another moment of Joanne fucking things up with her. I strenuously object. You know, because yeah. if you say an objection and it's overruled, that's the end of it. And then she's just like, no, we object really strongly. We strenuously object. Yeah, a lot of We Joanne's... object more. A, a lot <laughs> oh, of... all right. You <laughs> <Yes>. win then. <laughs> Case closed. A, a, lot of Joanne's, uh, a lot of Joanne's contribution to the movie is essentially to screw up in some way, it seems. Hmm. Especially when they're actually in court. Yeah, she's definitely not good at the uh, the court lawyering. Um, no, which is funny because she was giving shit to Kathy about not being being too scared and not good enough to be a trial attorney. And it's like, but you're so much worse. Yeah, and there's a couple of things that confuse me with that. Like, there's an exchange that they had early on, which I I must have misunderstood or something. But it's like, at some point, he's asking, she's asking him like. Why do you hate them so much? That's the other. He's like, why do you like them so much? That's the, yeah, yeah, that's the uh, the other lawyer. The, okay, the he hates. Weinberg. Yeah, because right. he, he asked her, "Why do you?" Or she she asked, "Like, why do you hate them so much?" And he's like, "Well, because they were a bully. They picked on a weaker kid and killed him, or whatever." And then he, mm-hmm. he's like, "Why do you like them so much?" And she says some patriotic bullshit. They're the yeah. ones who stand on the wall. Blah, 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 blah. They're yeah. the watchers on the wall. But doesn't why is he saying? I don't. Are we supposed to get the impression that she particularly likes them? I feel like her whole thing up until that point has been that she's the one who's out for justice, and well, she's out for justice for them, and she's going really hard to try to defend these two 
which okay. she, she, so he's specifically and, asking about their clients. Yeah. yeah. Okay. Yeah. All right. That makes more sense. Yeah. Um, but yeah, no, I mean, no, Weinberg has a good point too. Uh huh. That's definitely one of the things that they introduce. I think in this part of the movie is that uh, she, you know, has this this. I don't want to say naive because I don't think that's where the movie falls, but she has a, a very idealistic view of what it is that that the Marines are standing for there in Guantanamo in Guantanamo Bay. Yeah, no. Well, <laughs> that'll to be never fair, turn to out be fair, wrong. This was all written well before everything came out about Guantanamo. Right, right. But we know now. <laughs> yeah, and then we also know that Tom Cruise is very cynical in that respect. Like, mm-hmm. I don't know that he sort of, like, is you know, actively disrespectful of the whole military project, but he's just, like I said, he's cynical. He's just much more like, no, this is just like, you know, this is just about winning or losing, and Mm. it's not about proving right or wrong. Um, And then also they introduce this idea of, is it Dawson? Dawson? Dawson's Creek. Not being the absolute worst, um, because he's had a contentious relationship with... Tom Cruise's character. That's the guy, right? Yeah. Where he uh, missed Dawson, the promotion because he is helping yeah, out Dawson, the guy. Yeah, Dawson's the main okay. guy. Downey's, Downey's the one who seems a little bit slower and just kind of follows whatever Dawson does. Yep. Yeah, yeah. So they introduce this idea of, like, Dawson being a guy who has good motivation sometimes, so. Mm-hmm. Sure. Yeah. Well, all right. Without Marcus's testimony, Kathy believes the case lost. He later returns home in a drunken stupor, lamenting that he fought the case instead of taking a deal. Galloway encourages Caffey to call Jessup as a witness, despite the risk of being court-martialed for smearing a high-ranking officer. Jessup spars evenly with Caffey's questioning, but is unnerved when Caffey points out a contradiction in his testimony. Jessup stated his Marines never disobey orders and, and that Santiago was to be transferred to his own safety. But, having ordered his men to leave Santiago alone, then Santiago was in no danger. I rate it being caught in a lie and disgusted by what, uh, by what he sees as Caffey's impudence towards the Marines. Jessup extols the military's importance and his own to national security. When asked point blank if he ordered the code red, Jessup bellows with contempt that he did and is promptly arrested. Beaten by facts and logic. Suck it, libs. Um, wow. <laughs> Although I'd say that he was beaten, because we find out, right, that Tom Cruise's character was uh, bullshitting with the uh-huh. the airfield witnesses that he brought in, that they were yes. not actually going to testify against Jessup. Um, so really, he was yeah. beaten with trickery and emotion. He was just <laughs> able, that was really Tom Cruise's talent in this whole uh, in this whole trial is that he was able to get under people's skin mm-hmm. and get yeah. them to tell him the truth. Uh, to, for a little you can't more handle explana- the truth. For a little more explanation, if people don't know what we're talking about because they didn't go over it, there's this whole thing about the transfer and how there's this transfer order, but, or no, it was the, the, it was the whole thing about the flight. They, they said, like, they were going to get him off the base as early as possible, which was, like, 8 a.m. the next morning or something like that. Mm-hmm. But then Markinson tells them that there actually was a flight that left earlier, but there's no logbooks of it. So they can't prove that that flight happened. So they bring in these two airmen, which is supposed to, like, I guess, scare Jessup into thinking that they figured out that there was an earlier flight or something like that. Yeah. But then you find out after the case is over, it's like, what were the airmen going to testify? It's like, oh, they were going to testify that they knew absolutely nothing about that flight. It's like, oh. They did not remember. <laughs> so. Yep. But the, the, way this, the way this makes it out, it's... It just seems to be that their uh, the main focus of the recap seems to be that um, 
by pointing out a flaw in like two contradicting statements, that's what gets Jessup, which is partially true, mm-hmm. but there's a lot leading up to that. Yeah, I think that's part of him getting under his skin. Um, didn't uh, did, did we talk about when he was interviewing Kiefer Sutherland? Because he did the same thing with his character, right? Uh-huh. He kind of got him. I forget what it is that he got him upset about that was good for the case. Um, but anyway, but yeah, I, I think that that moment where he's pointing out the contradiction in Jessup's uh, testimony is is getting at what a lot of the movie is about, uh, which kind of reminds me of Taps, where they're kind of distinguishing between this these like two closely held beliefs, you know, and, and one is that there's actual certain values that you believe in and that's why you're part of this institution. And so you want to uphold those values. And then the other one is just that you have blind loyalty to this institution and you just want to uphold how it currently exists and like the power hierarchies that you're benefiting from. Mm -hmm. Um, And I think that that specific contradiction that he points out is like, well, in order to make it look like you were the good guy, you would have to admit that people didn't always follow your orders and you weren't always in control and you're not this great perfect colonel who's on the rise in the military Mm -hmm. it's just a bit more than uh a bit more than jessup can take you fucked with the wrong marine (laughs) did he though (laughs) it seems like he fucked with the right marine that's a good scene good job jack nicholson yeah Good job, Jack Nicholson. Jack Nicholson, I mean, surprisingly good actor. Not surprisingly. He's a fantastic actor. Yeah, I think he's the one who got an Oscar nomination for this, I assume. I mean, this is an iconic scene, right? The, the you can't handle the truth scene. I mean, I'm assuming he probably did. I know that this movie did not win any Oscars, so, which wow. is a shame. Yeah. Probably should have won. He got a few nominations, for mm-hmm. sure. Yeah. Uh, it was nominated for Best Picture. I'm, I'm sure Jack Nicholson was probably nominated for Best Supporting Actor. I don't know if Tom Cruise was nominated. I don't I think we right. yeah, think we figured picture, out Best Supporting Actor Jack Nicholson, Best Film Editing Robert Layton, uh, Best Sound Mixing yeah. Robert then, Robert so, Eber, not to be confused. He's with, part of the sound editing Roger team. Ebert. Yeah, do you think Roger Ebert was like moonlighting in the sound mixing <laughs> industry? That's Robert what is your Ebert. Name, sir? Robert Eber. <laughs> <laughs> well, welcome aboard, Robert. <laughs> uh, yeah so good scene yeah. all right then uh dawson and downey are cleared of the murder charge but found guilty of conduct unbecoming in order to be dishonorably discharged dawson accepts the verdict but downey does not understand what they did wrong dawson explains that they had failed to defend those too weak to fight for themselves like santiago as the two are leaving caffey tells dawson that he does not need to wear a patch on his arm to have honor Dawson sheds his previous contempt for Caffey, acknowledges him as an officer, and renders a salute. The film ends with Caffey and Ross exchanging kudos before Ross departs to arrest Kendrick. Theme. Yeah. Yep, there we go. That's the end. No discussion. Perfect. Yeah, no, this is good. I like this. Um, I don't think the character arc was, like, super strong for Tom Cruise because that wasn't the focus of the movie. Um, But I always – some of my favorite character arcs are when people don't care about stuff at the beginning. And then then at the the end, end. they're like, I care now. (laughs) You've taught me to care. Yeah. Um, There we go. So I like that. They're like, no, Tom Cruise, don't just be this cynical asshole lawyer. You just be like – there are things that I like to think he went back to just doing plea bargains again. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> I would imagine that honestly, that's usually the smart thing to do. <laughs> wow, I will never ever go to trial again. This that, was, that, that was, was fucking awful. Our star witness really killed stressful. himself, and they didn't even give us an extension. 
Jack Nicholson's going to have me killed. <laughs> we had to go to court the next day. Uh, Kevin Bacon hates me. He's my kid's godfather. <laughs> Actually, I don't know. Kevin, did Kevin Bacon hate him at the end? I don't no, no. I no they, they were fine. They got along just skippy. I'm pretty sure they had a decent relationship the whole time. It's just, you know, they, were, up, they were on different sides of the court. So. Yeah, mm-hmm. adversarial relationship. But yeah, um, I think I think a more competent prosecutor would have gone for manslaughter instead of murder when they realized that, you know, he couldn't prove that there was poison. But yeah, I guess they that's felt, the prosecution's fault. I guess they felt confident with that doctor's testimony that yeah, they were gonna oh that fucking evil doctor. I forgot about that doctor. Yeah, that, that doctor, sucks. that doctor who you know basically admits that like oh yeah this definitely could have happened without poison and then it's like okay so can can you say without without any doubt that he was poisoned yes yes it was poison <laughs> but you just said poison he was poisoned. definitely did it. i think he was probably worried that uh that john Kurt. nicholson would bust into his room with an axe well, yeah because he was clearly fucking threatened by colonel jessup yeah that's what i got out of it at least his career was threatened or something who knows yeah well, all right. Well, That's why you never trust the doctors. Oh, don't listen to Mason. You know what, though? I remember somebody <laughs> told me that once about, like, old murder mysteries, is that it turns out to be the doctor a lot of the time. Because the doctor's like... They've got access to everything that they would need to kill people. They, exactly. They could so make some sign some like some, like, subconscious thing where you don't suspect the doctor? Because doctors are the people who, like, heal you and stuff. So. I think so. Maybe, a lot but, of the times, fake out... Like, they'll do, like, a fake out death... With the murders, you know, because, I don't know, they're trying to have a twist or something. Yeah. And then the doctor usually has to be involved because they're the ones who pronounce somebody dead. Right. Well, and, I mean, the way it used to be, too, before medicine got way better, you know, before germ theory and everything, doctors had a habit of killing more people than they saved anyway, so. Yeah. It would have been great to be a doctor back then, the Wild West. <laughs> Can you imagine? Uh, if like, if yeah, you were a serial killer, sure. You just have some mercury. Oh God! There were top it off with some cocaine, and you'll be fine. Don't oh. let me go finger bang your wife. Oh, he died. Oh wow! Yeah, there was one today. Must have been ghosts. <laughs> ghosts killed him. Not all that mercury I injected into his urethra. Yeah, mm. that was I, one of the presidents we had. Got shot, and people have sort of like later figured out from all their documents. They're like, oh yeah, that president wouldn't have died if it wasn't for. But they like that was Garfield, right? I think so. It's they did two things that were like astoundingly bad. Like maybe they tried some bloodletting or something, well, and then they like yeah. gave him mercury. I mean, well, and they this, were trying. They kept trying to do surgery to get the bullet, but the bullet, like they they never managed to get it. The bullet lodged in a cyst in his back or whatever, and it would have been fine if it had just stayed there. Oh yeah, that's right. And then and they give him like opium, right? It almost uh-huh. makes sense when you put it together because you give him opium for the pain, and then you're like, well. He's going to be constipated, so we need to give him mercury. But I mean, the reason mercury uh, cured constipation is because it was poisoning you. A yes. lot of what you were, a lot of what you're saying, sounds very similar to trying to keep George Washington alive. Yeah, that was also oh, pretty bad. No, did they fuck that up too? Did they kill George Washington? He was. There was a old. lot of blood bloodletting. There in was that. Oh, yeah, a lot of so, leeching. There was yeah, there was there was bloodletting, and then they gave him. Did they didn't give him mercury also? Probably. Oh, they gave mercury for like everything. Then. And then he started to get worse. So they're like, oh, let's just do some more bloodletting. I can't remember how much blood they took out of George Washington, but it was an insane amount. That nobody would ever do. 12 gallons? Maybe. 12 gallons of blood. <laughs> uh, 12 gills. 12 gills of blood. <laughs> Wait, what's a gill? 
I'm just going to Google George Washington blood and see what I get. <laughs> Pretty sure that was a dollop episode. Yes. Not to promote other podcasts on yeah, our podcast. Yeah, never promote other podcasts. <laughs> no, no, no. Listen to the dollop. It's good. Really, really good. All other podcasts. <laughs> Anyways, let's get into some fun <laughs> facts and background info. <laughs> <laughs> okay, or not. Oh, my God. Google George Washington blood and look at the second picture, everybody. <laughs> I know Google results are like personalized now, so you mm. can't, probably can't see that. That's Come sad. on. It's, it's a great, great. Great zombie, zombie-ish Washington with an axe. It's fantastic. Bleeding down his chin. Okay. Okay, do the thing. Now. Well, now let's get into some fun facts and background info on A Few Good Men. All right, so let's start this off with the best time in the podcast, which is when all three of us... No, just no. you. ...lecture you no. on what is right for women in the world. We're going to tell all Don't of the women what's right. You. Yeah, shush. shush. Mm. You're trying to talk to us right now. Shush. This is all them. I have no uh, stake in gonna, this. We're going to do some real really bad. light movie analysis, because I like movie analysis, and I also like checklists. So we're going to do some checklist-based <laughs> movie analysis here. We should put, we should put this uh, table, once, once we've got it up, we should put something like it up on the site. Yeah, no. Yeah, we totally should. Um, so first we're trying to figure out uh, how many of these movies uh, have well-written uh, female characters. Uh, the answer so far is not as many as you would hope. Um, in fact, all the ones that I've currently marked on the spreadsheet have failed. Um, well, it failed at least one of the tests. I think so So far, the, so far, All the Right Moves has the best record. I failed at least two of the tests. Oh, no, wait, yeah. All, all the Right Moves passed the Bechdel and the Sexy Lamp test. So let's start with the Bechdel test. Uh, were there two women in this movie? Uh-oh. Yes. Yes. Yeah. And, I remember and, there were. And Ginny and Joanne Galloway. They're both named as well. There's the second They're part. They're both named. All they right. never speak to each other on screen. We were so close <laughs> to them speaking. They start. They were standing right next to each other, but never actually address each other on screen. Well, it's like they lean in to start talking to each other, and then the camera cuts to a different angle, and you see them talking inaudibly in the background, which yes. does not count. Um, so and they, even if they were, it's almost definitely about a man because it'd be about her nephew's case. I, I feel like the implication with that, though, is romantic, a romantic thing. But not like, necessarily. No, I think it's just about a man. Okay. Just think of how many movies have guys that are talking about things that are not women in them. You can talk about, like, the plot or the obstacle or, like, your job or your dog or something. What but if all three of those reason, women are women only men. talk about their husbands and their boyfriends and their dads and their sons <laughs> like that's their whole fucking world anyway uh sexy lamp who's our most prominent character debbie moore joanne, joanne galloway joanne galloway i don't know the character names ever in these in case you haven't realized. i don't i don't know actor names joanne so. galloway demi moore was there we go donnie she, knows the shit was she a sexy lamp no you're saying no, that like you're not really sure. I, I'm gonna, I'm gonna say it's okay to not be sure. I'm gonna say no, but it might be that she's worse because her, most of her con- contributions to the legal effort 
were kind of negative. Yeah, she definitely doesn't help a lot in the courtroom scene. In fact, at first I was like, I don't know. She might just be a sexy lamp with a post-it note that says, look up what Code Red is on it. Because um, I think that's her <laughs> yeah. main like plot contrivance. But I think without her, Tom Cruise probably just pleads the case out. Oh, like, yeah. She's the one sure. who's pursuing this. Honestly, she's the one who gets the case raised in the first place, right? Yes. Mm-hmm. So, yeah. So I think she's not a sexy lamp. She's extremely not a sexy man. Well, there we go. Um, does she have her own character arc that's not related to a man or not supporting a man's? Mm, no. no. No, she doesn't really have an arc. She really supports Tom Cruise's arc. Yeah. She does. And she's like, care about stuff. And he's like, I care now. <laughs> Thanks, Joanne. All right. And I think, then, I think he literally says that as he's uh, running after her out of the car. Does, does he really say that? <laughs> well, no. He's like, I care. Joanne, no. I care now. <laughs> not quite. It's more... Uh, we're putting him on the stand. Okay. Well, but that's his, that's his I mean, admission that's pretty, that he cares. That's pretty close, yeah. Um, okay, so, and then just a reminder, because we only introduced this one movie ago. Um, uh, we're not talking about ladies anymore. Uh, we're talking about the mice quotient, uh, which is the milieu, which is like a story focused on a setting, an idea, which is like a story focused on overcoming an obstacle, a character, which is about a character changing their lot in life, or an event story, which is coping with an event that throws the world into disarray. Um, what do you guys think? I'm going to argue event. Okay. Justify. Justify. I think the event that throws the world out of order, or in this case, like at least this kind of sector of the world, this military aspect, is the killing. Um, and it's especially a problem because just we're repeatedly told Colonel Jessup is like in line to head up some national security like advisory post. Um, I think there's a lot of things that get thrown out of whack with this, and it is the attempt of the lawyers in this case, you know, Tom Cruise, Demi Moore, to make that right. Okay. What was the I one again? The I one is idea. Um, one of my hardest things is distinguishing between an idea and an event story. I'm going to pull up my little definitions page that I because when, uh, when you said when you said the I one, it sounded like what I would have thought this okay. movie was so. so the idea story it says um it starts when your main character meets an obstacle they have a problem that must be solved uh, which gives rise to a question how will they get around the obstacle and then the story ends when they've answered the question and remove the obstacle um yeah so it's basically character on a quest character trying to achieve a goal and i feel like that's similar to an event story a lot of the time yeah, I just, I think with this, it is like the entire story and everything that they talk about all revolves around this specific event. And it's them essentially trying to put the aftermath in order, in my opinion. That's true. But I think it's also about them saying, we specifically know that this guy is guilty and we need to come up with ways to get around the obstacle of like all of this corruption that's happening in this organization. Like we have to come up with a way to prove in court that this bad thing happened. All right. It's both. All right. Idea slash events, milieus, yeah, kind uh, of that too. You're um, you're seeing like the uh, see that, don't it defend is, that. It is not a milieu story. <laughs> I just wanted to be contrarian. <laughs> it's my job, Donnie. We know, Mason. We know. <laughs> we know. <laughs> all right, there you go. That's all the checklists that I have. We'll keep adding more. Send me your checklists, folks. <laughs> tweet me. What are your tests for movies? Exactly. Tweet us at Cruisin' It Pod. All right, well, uh, kind of repeating myself here, but successful Tom Cruise movie, uh, $40 million budget, $243.2 million. 
well received critically and publicly, 82% critically, 89% publicly. There were no stunts for him to do. He's a lawyer. And he does run. Yes. Barely. But, but he, he does. does run. There is a kind of out of focus shot of him running out of the car after Joanne that lasts literally two seconds. But you know what? We haven't Counts. got yeah, we haven't found a movie where he does not run yet. Yeah. So speaking of checklists, look at all these checklists we got. I know, right? Just change the podcast name. Welcome <laughs> Checklist Cast. To Checkcast. Uh, all right, so this um, this movie was based on a play, also written by Aaron Sorkin, um, which was actually inspired by a real Code Red at Guantanamo Bay. Uh, Lance Corporal David Cox and nine other enlisted men tied up a fellow Marine and severely beat him for snitching to the NCIS. And he, Cox was later acquitted and honorably discharged. But in 1994, he mysteriously vanished, and his bullet-riddled body was found three months later, and his murder remains uns- unsolved. Yeesh. So. Yikes. Man, I want Dark. to see that story. <laughs> uh, also, I don't know if y'all remember Tom Cruise's Jack Nicholson impression during the film. He does like a brief impression of Jack Nicholson. Oh, no. Uh, it's actually pretty good. Um, uh, that was not scripted, and the uh, laughter by uh, Demi Moore and Kevin Pollack are genuine because i think little, i remember a little that, unscripted yeah. moment it's like when they're sitting in his apartment or home yeah or when they're preparing for the case yeah um also in kind of in the same vein as our as our female test here's a i guess another snapshot of women in hollywood at this time but uh, an unnamed executive gave aaron sorkin a note if tom cruise and demi moore aren't going to sleep with each other why is demi moore a woman Aaron Sorkin responded. Why by, is Demi Moore a woman? Yes. I like that phrase. So basically, why is Demi Moore so a woman? Basically, the only like if you're gonna have a woman here, they need to bang. Otherwise, just make it another man. Oh, I thought he was just raising like a really esoteric, you know, feminist philosophy point about like what is it really that makes Demi Moore a woman? See, I you took know, it this... as the way that he probably oh, okay. meant it, where he's saying there's no reason for this character to be a woman if she's not a love interest. I don't know. You don't think he was maybe like an early trans activist? No, I do not. Trying to communicate through this, post-it no, notes this, that the this world This unnamed Hollywood executive? Yeah. Well, anyways, Aaron Sorkin's response to that was, uh, women have purposes other than to sleep with Tom Cruise. And he said that's the worst thing he's ever experienced as a screenwriter. Hot take. I agree with his statement. No, <laughs> I, Controversial I opinion. I agree with his I statement, too. I do think that women exist for reasons other than having sex with Tom Cruise. That's a good take, Aaron Sorkin. Also, do we know... Oh, he has a daughter. Okay, I was going to say, do we know for sure that a woman has ever had sex with Tom Cruise? Who knows? <laughs> yes, he does have a biological daughter. Yeah, okay. <laughs> yeah, I uh, retract my statement. <laughs> uh, surprisingly, the Defense Department refused to endorse the film. What? <laughs> which well, they meant, didn't pay for this one. Which meant that the filmmakers couldn't utilize any actual military installations, so they basically just shot all of it on a soundstage. Uh, what you got to do. In uh, the original draft um, of Aaron Sorkin's film here, um, it doesn't end with the shot of him admiring the courtroom. It ends with him asking Joanne on a date, and she instructs him to wear matching socks, which is the th- same thing she said before the trial. I'm really glad that they cut that out. Yeah, I'm really glad they didn't try to shoehorn a romance in. I mean, I feel so like they the, weren't there was really building a romance for the rest of the movie. Were I they? never really felt any the, the, romantic yeah. chemistry between. Yeah. There was a moment there. There was a moment there when they were going out to get crab or whatever that it kind of felt ish like that, but it wasn't really 
pushed that hard. Yeah, mm-hmm. see, I mean, I even during that scene, I never really felt any like romantic. I think part inclination of what, or whatever. Yeah. Which I don't know if there was supposed to be, and that's just they, the actors didn't have chemistry, or if they weren't trying to play that as a romance. Yeah, but hard to say. I just. But it is. It's definitely good that they cut that not part of it. Have those. to have romance to be a good movie. Just a problem with a lot of Hollywood movies is they try to force this romance that just feels tacked on to the tacked on at the end, and it's like okay. I I need Optimus Prime and Me- uh, Megatron to make out. Mm. I need that to happen. Okay. Uh, I ship Starscream and Shia LaBeouf. Oh no! <laughs> oh god! Gonna make gonna make uh, stars scream. <laughs> <laughs> That's what would happen. <laughs> Shia LaBeouf getting crushed. Yeah, no, Shia LaBeouf would crush robot. Starscream. Yeah, with his huge fucking dick. Yeah, just Big do dick. it. Just do Big it, dick boy. My BDB. Well, okay, that's all we have on A Few Good Men. Uh, Join us next time for part two of our Tom Cruise Lawyer double feature when we watch The Firm. (gasps) The Firm is next? Yes. Oh, man. (laughs) I love legal procedurals (laughs) slash thrillers so much, and I understand The Firm might be both of those things. I want to see every movie that John Grisham that has ever been adapted. Is it? That's a John Grisham book. Right? Yes. Okay. So I realize I'm introducing, I'm interrupting our outro here. So go yes. ahead. you just keep, keep, doing, keep doing your thing. Uh, go ahead. Keep going. I'm Donovan just, Bruce. Uh, Donovan, Donovan, you just if you liked this you wrap episode, this up now, make this, sure to rate us five stars on iTunes. And Nobody's check done out, that yet. I know. And check out Cruising <laughs> It Pod on Letterboxd for our Tom Cruise movie rankings and other general movie stuff. I am Andrew Mount. Uh, our website is gcatsmedia.com. One more time, that's G is in green, catsmedia.com. One last time, that's gravy. G, G cats, is in gravy. G is cats. in green because it's green cats. Green makes a lot more sense than gravy cats, right? No, gravy cats. Wait, when have cats, you ever seen a green cat? Wouldn't gravy cats be like a really stupid name? No. No. Anyway, gcatsmedia.com. <laughs> And I'm Mason Kuzmich. If you like this and want to be our friend, please be our friend. Uh, follow us on Facebook and Twitter. Our Twitter account is at CruisinItPod. That's at C-R-U-I-S-I-N-I-T-P-O-D. And you've been listening to Cruising It. <laughs>